Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Payson. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Sam Page can't join us today. He's going to be back next week. Uh, he's got he, Sam's becoming quite the busy guy, and uh, he's got some career stuff going on. So uh, we'll be missing him for this week, but uh, we'll be looking forward to getting him back next week. And uh, I have a special guest joining uh, joining me today. His name is Vinny Potestivo. And, and Vinny, I got to tell you, Sam is actually our pianist in residence. Every once in a while, we get a little piano action in the background Ooh, so you kind of nice. miss something kind of cool he's very Sam, good i'm sorry that you're not i'm sorry i'm missing out on this yeah i'm, I'm i need a re i need a i want a rain chat i'm excited to be here okay. i'm committed to being here uh i gotta get it i gotta get it on the sam i'm trying to get on the you. ivories you know right <laughs> right well i actually i i picked up a keyboard recently myself after staying away from Ooh. one for 50 years and uh trying to reteach myself how to do it again did right? you read music did you read music already can you oh yeah read? yeah, yeah, well, yeah i took okay. piano lessons when i was a kid for like you know seven years something like that and then <laughs> yeah they, they haven't went, that hasn't changed all, no, all the new words in the language right? the, yeah. the notes haven't changed yeah the, 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 the way that people describe it i don't even understand what some of the musicians say today i have no idea what they're talking about i but, mean now yeah. it's all about ownership rights if anything yeah. and, and usage yeah. rights right yeah yeah you oh. actually have some rights now versus just a couple of years ago, let alone 20 plus years ago, when, when you, you own nothing that you created as a creator. Yeah. And it's nice. It's a nice world we live in now. Kind it's of. A, it's kind a of. Improvement. Well, it is. For yeah. Creators, but, yeah. <laughs> but from my perspective, the only ownership I'm interested in is can I make the notes play what I want them to play? Yeah. If I can do that, I mean, after 50 years of being away from it, you know, it, it's, yeah. I, I'm actually surprised. I mean, <laughs> I'm in my four, fourth month. Uh, playing with it, my fifth month actually, no, sixth month. That's right, because Christmas was six months ago. My brother gave it to me for Christmas, and I, I was kind of surprised how easily it came back. But nice. some cool. of it is still not quite there. Like you know, you tell the fingers do this, and they don't do that. It's a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> it doesn't quite go as the stretch isn't quite as far as it used to. Well, well, yeah. actually, the stretch is too far. Oh yeah, yeah. That, okay. that's, you know, I'll try to play like an octave. All right, like incredible that, Hulk. Nine is like, well, no, 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 shorten that up. Hold on. <laughs> That's funny. That's all good. You. It's fun. So the anyway, things they don't teach you. <laughs> got to tell people a little bit about uh, about Vinny. This, this guy, he's had quite a career. He's a former MTV exec, and he <laughs> had he was involved in in many of MTV's golden years. He has created his own podcast, coincidentally called "I Have a Podcast." Very creative. I like that. Thank you. He has worked with the likes of Mandy Moore, Suchin Pack, uh, Christina Milan, T.J. Lavin. Uh, Vanessa Lachey. I mean, he's, he's worked with a bunch of people who are name personalities and really he played a role in helping them become name personalities. So this is a guy who understands what it takes for people to become the better part of what they want to be. Oh yeah. Well, that's a great way to see it. Oh, I appreciate that. The vision, um, on how you see what I've done, but yeah, that's, I love if, if that's truly what I get, get to say that I do. Then I would die happy because get, getting to bring out the best in people, um, whether that's called talent development, however, how, whatever title you want to call it. Um, what do you call it? I call it media. Me, so, so because of this world we live in, I call it media advisory and talent development. Like those, those two are different worlds for me. Okay. Um, I, I can monetize your, I can talk about monetizing your brand in talent development and in media development, mm -hmm. um, where I, I'm more prone to talk about, um, 
less, I'm, I'm less, less prone to talk about repurposing content and mar- added marketing and added, you know, advertising strategies at the end. And I'm more prone to talk about, um, pre-purposing content and understanding how we plan to market it and advertise afterwards so that we can produce into those channels as opposed to, what I think a lot of modern creators are doing now, which is sort of like seeking approval, seeking cooperation with. Well, that's been going on for decades. I mean, there's yeah. nothing going on there. <laughs> yeah. And that's just not, that's just like, uh, there's, you know, in, in music, in TV and like the, the sort of wild, wild west of media that I, I was exposed to in the late nineties. Um, uh, you, you pitch the, you pitch the source, not the story. You know, there's a lot of mm. people going around pitching a, a podcast episodes, but they aren't consistently saying, I'm sitting down with these. Here, here are the next 10 episodes that I'm about to sit down with as a source. What's, what's one question I can ask them that, that you would be interested in, in learning about? You know, just, just, just identifying themselves as a source. They, I, I think we're, we're at the point now where we're still trying to talk influencers into being creators and podcasters into being creators and, Podcasters are not influencers and influencers are not podcasters, but we are all creators of mm-hmm. some point, um, of some sort. And, um, um, well, I think we're all influencers too. I mean, some of us may not fall. Oh. I, I certainly don't necessarily fall into the category of influencer. I don't have well, maybe good influence or bad influence, but either way, well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, all of us, even those of us who have smaller audiences, I mean, the, yeah. I, I don't remember what the latest number is. The last I saw was like 135 was the average audience size for a podcast. Now I'm doing better than that, but that's, that's where um, there are 2 million podcasts out there. Yeah. That's and, a lot. you know, so, and, and yet those 135 following that particular podcaster, that person is influencing them. It's just not oh, yeah. influencing on the big level. Like, Oh, he's an influencer. I think so. I mean, that's like, that's five times the size of the classes that I was in when I was learning you know, in, in education and in school. And I, I think of class size a lot in terms of like understanding audiences. Mm-hmm. And then I think of, and then I think of school sizes and audiences in terms of thinking about communities. <laughs> but I, 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 I think that 130, I, I think that, huh, so I, Chris, I didn't think I was going to say this, but I created something called the verified podcast exchange because mm-hmm. I saw a gap in the marketplace between podcasters and influencers. Brands are allowed to write checks to influencers. That's like, like uh, language has been established, the SOPs have been understood, the KPIs, the, the the you know the the indicators to success have been identified. So now it's okay for brands to write checks to influencers. Well, plus if you have acronyms, that means you've got something going for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Podcasters, you know, I, I have to say, 130 dedicated downloads per episode to me sounds like a really, really um, a, a solid core group of, of people pulling information yeah. from you versus the the 90,000 likes that you got on TikTok on that one video sometime, you know, in 2020, 2021, when, when TikTok was giving those away. One out of 50, one out of 100, you know, accounts got, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not poo-pooing. I'm not saying anything bad about, about sure. TikTok creators at all, but the audience strength I don't think that, um, I don't think that, that, that big business or medium sized businesses have yet to impact podcasting and, and, and infiltrate our audiences the way that you can on social media because of the Facebook platforms, Instagram, because mm. of the, the platforms and the way that advertising is sold and, and, and right. the way that, you know, that, that sort of business works. So. Well, that so has to shift at some point, but you're right. It's, it's, it's it. almost kind of like we're in the early phases. So we really are. 
people who are like, oh, it's too late. It's a saturated market. Saturated market. Like, no, <laughs> it's a, well, it's a growing market. So even it if it's saturated, we ain't going to be underwater for much longer. There is just platform after platform. And then, and then these platforms have like five surfaces inside the platform. And, and, and I think that, I think that the, it's exciting time to be in podcasting, podcasting, um, everyone knows what broadcast television is. Um, the idea of sending out a wide, you know, signal podcasting is, is narrow casting. So we're sending right. a much more narrow signal out there. I think the future of podcasting actually lives in broadcasting. Really? I, I That's actually, interesting. I worked at MTV back when we used to play music videos. I know what it's like <laughs> to be in the house when the t- TV is on and not have to watch TV to know what's on TV. And I'll tell you what, podcast, there's like, like a, it's like two dudes and a microphone. <laughs> the yeah. cameras don't even change. You know what I mean? And I think, right. and, and there are some video podcasts that do have multiple cameras yep. and they do, there, there is some production detail that's put into that. I think you need that. Um, if you're going to be in this video space, I think that as podcasters, we think that the viewer gives us like, um, like a, a, a sort of like a oh it's okay they're a podcast they don't they don't have to have b roll and professional <laughs> footage and, and you know I mean we're using you know a great I love Streamyard this is one mm-hmm. of my favorite platforms to be able to stream on just record on or or or, or multicast on mm-hmm. um, I, I love the restreamability on this on this platform as well um, but it really it becomes about about the usage about the, about and and, and the yeah. reusage to it all so it's cool. It's, it's, well, you used a term uh, toward the beginning here that I thought was really interesting, and, and you kind of used it in juxtaposition to a term that marketers know, repurposing. You called it pre-purposing. What oh, yeah. is pre-purposing to you? Oh, yeah. So, so in tele- so <laughs> where, I, where I come from in the world <laughs> of TV, <laughs> back in the 90s, TRL, man, we knew that we had a 30-second advertising spot that we had to have content for. Mm-hmm. We didn't look around and say, hey, what do we got? And what can we throw into that 30-second slot? We knew right. that 30-second slot was there a month and a half ago. We started planning for that 30 second slot well before we even went into production, maybe on like um, our, our spring break shows. So now I know that there are a couple of advertising needs that we have need a need for content for. And I also have a blitz of programming like spring break, for example, coming up. So the, what I'm going to do is make sure that those needs are baked into the actual production of the series so that I don't need to go out and reshoot something or I don't have to go back and repurpose something that wasn't intended to be that 30 second spot. I can create it with that 30 second spot in mind. What does that look like? You might ask, um, a format, a segment, um, think about late night talk shows. Think about, um, here, here's pre-purposing at its best. Every single late night talk show right now, Jimmy, Jimmy, James, even throw Ellen in there. These mm-hmm. are people who have to create short segments because that they're going to be lifted and distributed on social media platforms. Right. Some of them have to be fast paced segments because, you know, multiple questions and, and sort, sort of because they're going to be chopped down even tighter for TikTok and for me, even shorter pieces of content. And these are needs that they know they have and they create these segments knowing how they're going to distribute them afterwards, which is why, um, they don't play games like tick. They don't play TikTok. I mean, a tic-tac-toe. Uh, a game that's already been played that they don't own, they go out and create a game that's never been played before so they can own that IP 
like carpool karaoke, for example, and then sell that IP out of the show and turn it into its own vehicle, its own IP and its own television show. And I can point to Ellen and I can point to Jimmy Fallon. I could literally just go down the line and say, see how they see how the segment turns into the show and or this segment is leads into the special by it's by design. Um, and if you look at it, the network, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there. It's by design, and also the the major networks have um, most major networks have a news division to them. The sure. news division is drooling, clamoring, waiting for the, the Tonight Show to give them their five two to five minute segment clips so that they can disperse them and put them into. There, there's a, they know there's a need for them. And they know how they're they're going to be made. It's not like. They're turning around afterwards and saying, well, how can we, what do we have and, and what's the best way to use and how can we repurpose this and, and what can, what can we do with it now and how, which seems to be a very reactive conversation. Um, and, and if you really plan for that, it, 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 it makes, do you know what it does? It gets rid of your content. It gets rid of it gets rid of the need for like a heavy content strategy where I have to tell you about what to talk about once a day or a week or what have, so that you're just, it's baked into who you are and that, that, that when you're ready to talk, you're ready to create and you don't have to spend the time editing or finessing or over strategizing or over analyzing the message. And if, if you spend a little bit more time in the beginning purpose, the, the beginning piece of it where you can be really purposeful instead of planning to repurpose it plan to pre-purpose it that gives you, you know, a, a final product at the end line when everybody else is just starting to figure out what to do with it. And it's a really strong, really strong, uh, uh, way to approach, I think, talent development and media development as well. I, you know I you have to it. tell you, I have to tell you, I I'm sitting, I, I totally get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. I can see the value of it. I can see how it fits in beautifully with the way marketing is working today, particularly through social media, because that's pretty much dominating the landscape. But there's also, I mean, well, you can tell from my hair, like, you know, I, I've been around for a bit. I'm, I'm kind of old. Come on, give me some credit here. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I, I'm kind of old school about this. <laughs> there's a piece of me that says, yeah, but what about a guy like me? I don't really want to have to plan out my conversation that way. I'm, yeah. I'm much too impromptu. I, yeah. I don't want to have to figure in, well, how do I turn this into something that could be used in a, you know, a 30 second TikTok? I, I don't want to think that way when I'm doing a yeah. podcast. So, so what I would say is to think about it in a segment though. So if you were to think of maybe if you were to gamify a way that you're at, you ask questions, mm -hmm. um, and know that, uh, okay, then we're going to do, um, a speed round. I have five questions. It's, it's, or word, word association or, or, uh, uh, you know, what, any type of fun sort of like a creative association, you know, uh, brand association. I'm going to yeah. say a brand. You say a color. I'm going to say, uh, flavor well, like, like the said, thing you know, that james lipton used to do at the end of uh, inside the actress and and it was, so, so here you're picking up on a great segment because yeah. those are the things that are quickly in easily lifted self-contained mm -hmm. i don't need to explain what this is this is just 30 second quick fire with yeah. walt and Vinny go mm -hmm. um and you're building that into this so so maybe maybe we would do that as like um in between if we had topics that we were talking about maybe you can use it you know as like a little Social palate cleanse. All right. Now, now I'm going to do a quick fire question <laughs> to understand what we just learned. And then we're going to move on. All right. Here's my five. You know, it could be something like that where, where I'm not saying you have to over, um, uh, I, I, I'm not, I don't want you to chop up your show and feel like, you know, you have to do the tonight show. Part of the, the, 
beautiful thing. No, I don't want to do this. Tonight. Well, I mean, it's fun to be on the Tonight yeah. Show. I'm sure. I mean, you're talking to this audience and all. I'm sure that must be great. But I don't want to be the Tonight Show. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, but but here's the thing. If you look at the Tonight Show, um, in the beginning, he doesn't start off by saying, "This is welcome to a new episode of the Tonight Show. Our special guests are so." That that comes well after the news, the value of that hour has already been dedicated. So if you look at the format of that show, like for podcasting, for example, instead of starting the podcast and saying, you know, actually some people will do the interview here and then we'll go back and we'll record the intro so that we can sort of give it more purpose out of the gate. So we're saying like what you're about to listen to, you're going to learn X, Y, and Z so that you have a little bit more of an understanding of, of what to expect. And if you know what to expect, then more likely than not, you're going to stick around and listen to the episode that I've created with the intent of getting what I've told you you can expect out of this episode. If not, then, you know, I, I question about like, you know, listen, listenership and um, listen through and like, I, I don't have a podcast that's even put out weekly, to be really honest, um, because my podcast is not about... um what people are doing, uh, I don't know how to say that. And my, my, my podcast is more about like, uh, how I did what I did and how we did what we did and how we're still doing it. Um, I don't need to have that conversation. I don't need to have that conversation all the time because I get to have that conversation with you. <laughs> Which is good. It, 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 fills, it fills the space for me. Yeah. And uh, that's by intention how I'm doing it. I think about, uh, for instance, the television show that won all the Emmys, the Ted Lasso, the Apple mm -hmm. TV show, right? Which basically broke all the rules about how you put a situation comedy together. Oh, yeah. I mean, it broke all of them. <laughs> they shopped that one. I saw an interview. I was just watching this. Like, before we did the show today, I was watching a, a clip on YouTube of uh, the guys, Jason and the others, being interviewed about how the show got started and so forth. And they shopped it all over Hollywood. They shopped it in New York. They shopped it everywhere. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with it. Everybody said, yeah, okay, good luck with that one. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and, and what was what it? it what, what was it that? What was it that made it work? I don't know the story as well. Oh, uh, it, well, I'll, I'll tell you what my take yeah. is on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. First of all, when, when I watched the first, I, I watched the first three episodes because one of my co-hosts recommended it and it's somebody I really trust. And, and when she recommends something, I say, okay, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I check, those first three episodes are painful to watch. <laughs> they are truly painful. They hurt because yeah. the characters are so stereotypical. They're so boxy. They're so unbelievable. That's like, oh God, am I watching? Yeah, the suspension of, of disbelief is like, come on, this would never possibly. It, it's more like suspension of belief is what it really is. <laughs> <laughs> but then. A couple of the characters, a couple of the main characters changed. Like they changed their behavior pattern and for brief moments started behaving like real people. Hmm. And it gets your attention. That's the way I felt about it anyway, that, that these people all of a sudden were being real. And it's like, wait a minute, what just happened here? And I liked them. I liked them a lot. Yeah. And then what I liked even more, we, we, now this show was originally about law of attraction. And so it has become sort of a platform talking about that, but it really has kind of branched out beyond that. But that's, that's where the roots of it come from. Their roots was they were, they wanted to focus on something that we very much believe in a lot, which is positivity, focusing on positive intention, focusing mm -hmm. on what you like rather than what you don't like and so on and so forth. They wanted to make that the vehicle for the show. That was, that was like a very intentional part of what they were doing. And that was the part that Hollywood rejected. 
Yeah. Because that's what Hollywood always – Hollywood wants what is conflict. They want the conflict. They want they want the give and not the give and take. They want the push and pull. They want they want the fighting. They want the they they want the high contrast stuff. And Ted Lasso wasn't going to give it to them. They said we're not going to put millions of dollars behind that. Are you yeah. kidding? No one's going to watch it. And it turned out people did watch it. They watched it by the millions. They continue to watch it. They keep replaying it over and over and over again. So to me, that is a huge signal that says something that I've always believed. Hollywood doesn't have a freaking clue. <laughs> Hollywood yeah. is not clued in to what is actually driving real people. That's funny. I'll, I'll say this. I, I I don't know where it, I I was taught this, learned this in, te- in television, but um, and it came up a lot at, at Bravo specifically. Um, but when there's discord in politics, you will see a a kinder, more optimistic. Uh, storylines and character in reality television. Mm. And mm-hmm. when there's, tr- when everything is great, you know, um, it, with the liberal news and, in politics, then that's where we turn up the volume and that's where the Makes housewives sense. are, you know, yeah, you know, that, that older version that we know, you know, know the lot. So it's interesting to think of the time, cause I think that lasso came out, what, like end of 2020, I think. Yeah, just, like, just before the, the pandemic hit. There were really interesting it's a pandemic time. show, really. Yeah, it's a, and 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 a change of politics too. It's a really mm-hmm. interesting time for uh, a show with that heap of optimism built into it, as in as like what you, but as intrinsically as, as with the level yeah. of humanity yes. that they put into it. But I love that you bring up that the show is about um, the law of attraction because it isn't this proof. It didn't, didn't they literally put out like the biggest, most positive vibes ever? And didn't they break every rule that you're not supposed Pretty to much. do in media and yeah. have become the, the sweetheart of media? And it's changed, it's changed all of their careers and, and it's put, it's put a really positive, you know, story and vibes and, and, and vocabulary into, into the ethos. And that's, that's well, super it, it, cool. it actually ruined my, my podcast. <laughs> it ruined it because I, what, well, I can't really say that. The main reason I created the podcast was because uh, in 2012, mm-hmm. I was in desperate straits. I was financially just devastated. I couldn't figure out how to climb out of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of heard about the law of attraction, didn't really know what it was. So I figured I, the only thing I can afford to do is to start a podcast to bring experts on to teach me how this stuff works. Oh, yeah. And that was, the, that was the impetus behind the show. It later became something that I love doing. And so that's why I've been doing it ever since then. Yeah. But. Well, you became what, a believer. <laughs> I became a believer. But, yeah. but, but here's the part that, that kind of ruined it for me. I, I'm saying this tongue in cheek. <laughs> what ruined it is that it turns out that this thing that I thought was going to be really controversial because nobody was going to accept this. I mean, this is this law of attraction bullshit. No one's going to yeah. buy into that, right? Everybody on the show loves it. <laughs> I, I, I get maybe one out of 25 guests who will give me any pushback at all on it. It's like, yeah. what, what, what happened here? Yeah. What happened to you? What were you putting out, by the way, that, uh, wasn't coming back to you the way apparently you yeah, yeah right? i don't know <laughs> i love it though i love i love this this is this is the law of attraction literally one of my favorite laws that you know that are in this space um i as a casting director of 20 plus years in television i i never i never went out trying to find what i was like hi i was like the person sometimes oftentimes i worked like most of the times i worked in in, in an awesome um, department with, with multiple, multiple senior executives, but every once in a while, like, it would be my job to go out and find, you know, mm. it's, it, my neck's on the line on this guy and my neck's on the line on this woman. And, um, 
even with that much pressure, I never went, I never took that on myself to go out and find the needle in the haystack. I, I brought the law so of attraction with me everywhere. I said, oh, okay. I was the guy in the room from MTV. Everyone knew. My MO was, yo, uh-huh, I, I'm the dude that hires all the talent on MTV. If you know anyone who need, who like wants to host. Yeah, that, that's a tough that. sales pitch, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. I had to work on access. So, hmm. so, so I, instead of transactionally, using it with casting, I, I, I used those opportunities to, to create real relationships. Mm-hmm. So I, I never was like, Hey, do you know? So-and-so I was always like, Hey, I'm casting this project. If you know anyone, you know, send them that. I, I wasn't asked. I never would ask somebody for a lead. Um, because it, it was more why? modern marketing is what well, that really it's, is. It's, it's, and also, yeah, yeah. I called it, I actually called it modern media marketing. Um, that's funny. Okay. You say that. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. But because the truth of the matter is, is that um, I want you to discover them. Because if you mm. discover them, the story changes now. Oh, I called up Vinny at MTV. Right. He said he was trying to get this comedian. Now, like, now I got a, now I got a guy. Now I got a guy over here, and I got a guy over here. And these people will look out for me. And I did not realize this, but they will look out and have looked out for me my entire career. It's the whole, this whole like web of people that you know we've we've leveraged opportunities, you know, um, and that's why we work with our close friends in this industry. Um, to be honest, more so than like all the, you hope your close friends are talented. Uh, but the truth <laughs> of the matter is you sure do end up working with your close friends one way or another in this one industry. One way or the other, yeah. Because <laughs> we, because we know how to work with because pe- I think creatives know how to work with each other. We know, mm. you know, what, what it means and at, at this stage of the game, um, you know, sort of, sort of what to expect. And, um, and for me, I felt like casting, casting was an awesome entry into, I mean, I, I, I wanted to help people. I wanted to empower people. I wanted to meet people. Um, I wanted to travel, you know, mm. everything I got was, I got to do before social media. Because <laughs> right. Social yeah, media we, came. We no more traveling. Yeah. Everybody is a casting director. Everyone's right. a creator. It's so like the budgets changed quickly. Yes. <laughs> when those iPhones and, and Sam's smartphones came out. But, but, uh, but you know what? It was, it was really cool for me as a self-taught creative who wired VCRs together as a 19 year old who was the, you know, who was fixing scanners and printers at MTV just as much as show notes and, and talent one sheets and stuff like that. It's cool now to be in this era where technology and creativity are, are so hand in hand and that there's even, there's hundreds of millions more people who now identify as creators who didn't take my path, who didn't go through traditional TV, who didn't, all they did was get a phone that has a camera and right. some editing software, you know, built into it. And they suddenly, and that, that that's why I like to talk about pre-purposing. This is why I like to talk about development and, and some of the stuff that happens at the beginning stages of content. Otherwise it's a very expensive process emotionally, oh, yeah. <laughs> physically, financially. It's a very, Oh, emotionally, especially. Yes. Um, tolling, you know, well, so, you, you basically live in a bigger space than you lived in before. And every day there's like a new, uh, so by the way, I worked in TV when there was like 20 networks, no big deal. And maybe there was like 50 by the time it was like 2017, including, you know, including the variations thereof. Now there's, there's thousands. Yeah. There's, 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 if you go on Samsung TV, there are dedicated channels to shows like shows that like the, like I cast to shows, like there's a whole, it's just 24 streaming. (laughs) <laughs> of, of that, I'm like that's so. There's so much content that we ha- yeah. had no clue. 
so people you talk about how many eight billion people, seven billion people on this on this on this world, and I think there's like a billion downloads podcast download or, or there, there's like there's billion you know uh it's not linear this is not no. seven you know this is not immediate downloads and and over time like what we're doing is just it's cool it's cool it's cool time now to be a, a creator to, to to create content and and to get to own it because of what's coming and what what's well, coming well, it's also kind of wild west too in the sense that yeah. people yeah. don't really know what to make of this new That's, thing i mean i don't think anybody really knows what to make of it just yet to be perfectly honest and and i look at like you mentioned you know the huge numbers of downloads billions of downloads i i, I didn't even know about this until like a month ago but i learned that the most popular genre on youtube is kids stuff yeah. i had no idea yeah. And and once I, it was explained, by, it made total sense. Of course, you know, the, the parents want to give them the YouTube so they can just go off and do their thing. <laughs> and they can be entertained and the kids are playing the same thing over and over and over again. So the the views are just going up, 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 up. I get it. But wow, what a shift that it's is. Funny. It's funny. It's a shift that we haven't even seen the, the ramifications of it yet because the oh, kids yeah. haven't grown up yet. Yeah, I, um, I, I have a, uh, I'm lucky to have worked on, on a program that was bought by YouTube kids called Kid Correspondent. It's, it's mm. news for kids by kids. Mm. I think, I think, um, what you described is definitely part of the culture for sure. That's yeah. definitely contributing to it. Um, but they watch T, they watch much more than Massive. we ever did on those yeah. smaller screens, um, mostly because we were, by the way, because we had battery issues, <laughs> we're well, scarred, that, you know? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, don't watch YouTube on my iPhone. You're using up all my minutes. Use the battery, right? <laughs> so we have some, we know too much, you know, that they don't, yep. they, they don't, they, God bless them. And, um, but I'll tell you something. Uh, it's not just like the long, it's not the long nature of what they're, they're watching. They're, they're really listening. I don't know if yes. my generation, Gen X, necessarily like. I I wouldn't say like we were, um, like they, maybe if we listened, then that's nice. But we just didn't do enough after listening. I'll say it that way. <laughs> but that's and been I, true for generation after generation. Yeah, you got but new these there. kids have buttons now. We didn't yeah. watch TV that said subscribe. Like, there's buttons built into this path now. I can go. I can go on a little rant about video gaming. Uh, and I was a gamer as a kid and, um, it was video gaming that got me into computers. And, and the thing I loved about creating on a computer was that I can make my space infinitely larger than mm. if I was creating on a piece of paper sure. or in a notebook. And also it was really difficult for my brothers and sisters to ruin what I'm creating in my computer. Unless they unplug <laughs> it, you know, it's not like they can pour water on it or, you know, as we were an active household. I'll just say apparently. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't that like everyone's childhood like that? No, just me. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And, 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 and I got to make all their dreams come true as like an older brother. And that's literally what I did when I got to MTV. I was like, if I'm the guy in, in the room, that's going to get to pick the people who come in. At first, I wanted the kindest, nicest people because I got bullied and I, I never liked being surrounded by people who made me feel less than, not, not smart enough or not well, this enough or that really? enough, you know? Um, and then like five years into my MTV dig, I was like, this is, these people are like turning into like real celebrities. Like they're like, like Mandy Moore is like 17, but she's like fighting for my right to marry the man that I want to be able, like, this is like, you're showing up in like a, I didn't think we had this type of power. Television had the power for youth culture. That's the thing that's the timing was great on. 
was yeah. the, the 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 the, youth, well, we, the we eyeballs on television years right television power has been obvious oh, yeah. for like decades now since basically since the golden age but you're right now that it's becoming more what democratized i'm not sure what to call it yeah decentralized yeah decentralized yeah once it's reached this stage we're now entering territory we've never been before yeah there are, these micro audiences aren't even like full, full audiences and we're still, we're trying to create communities mm-hmm. out of uh, it's, 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 I, I think the way to build a community is when you take two audiences and merge them over a shared like belief or system. So, um, it's the idea of Coachella is a, is a, is a community generator because you're taking artists who aren't promoting their specific album, but they're able to bring their audiences into Coachella or, or even like fish or the grateful dead playing, you know, uh, in time in Madison square garden at, at mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, it's about coming together for New Year's Eve and experiencing music. That's going to bring more of a community together than the fish audience, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's, and that's the, to be, that's where the money is because that's where the cult, that's where the, the culture is that's where the community the, where the community is is where the culture is it's where f- all the financial conversations all all of the i like ha, ha, what businesses are we supporting what businesses are we not supporting this is like a big era of of business development and and, and even talent development that we have we have not yet you know tapped into Oh, it's barely um, even started. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody who has a really good handle on how you do yeah. this yet. Yeah. I mean, may, maybe Joe Rogan is about the only one that I can think of. But beyond that, you know, who else knows what what we're really doing here? There are people who have you know, millions of followers. Okay, so they're really psyched. I got a great business model. I'm building my empire and so forth. But I'll bet you even they don't really know what it is that got them there in the first place. I mean, they could tell their story. Yeah. They could tell you what happened, ABC. But could they explain it? Well, they'll I tell you what it. everyone else has told them. You know, yeah, right, I know that exactly. for sure. I love these. When I get on, everyone's like, oh, he's had such a successful. I'm so, oh my gosh, if you even knew like all the fails that I've had, like I appreciate that we're here to talk about the successes, but like I've, <laughs> I got, but, but I got paid. I luckily, luckily I got paid. I literally got paid to fail at MTV. Like there was That's like, huge. work at a company that is not a, you know, uh, is the creative company that allows you as a creative to, to fail. But that means that I, I have to have 16 projects going at any given time, 16 to 20 projects at any given time so that I can fail. So the other 15 are successful. Like just, you know, I don't want you to think it's like, Oh, I failed for the month of January. No, no. It's like one, you only failed a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, a little bit. (laughs) This has actually been a, uh, an ongoing, point that comes up in interview after interview that people who experience whatever kind of success they experience in their lives. And usually the people who are on the show are people who've experienced various kinds of success. They all have the same story to tell. They had failure, 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 success, failure, 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 success. I mean, it's like far more failures than success. And the only really real difference that I've been able to find between those who are obviously successful and those who feel like they aren't there, is that the ones who are obviously successful are simply not afraid to fail. They'll just oh, keep yeah. failing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that, that, because, yeah, those, that, that's where you win. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. And it's not even really about winning, by the way. It's really about, it's really about failing. It's really, and, and it isn't even about failing because they don't think about it. They don't think of it no, as failing. No, it's I mean, when, when like, you failed on UTV, <laughs> on, on, um, yeah, MTV, yeah, yeah. did you actually think you failed? 
<laughs> no. I mean, seriously, that was, you got paid yeah, to do something that didn't work. Yeah. Okay, go through the next one. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I'm thinking, I'm in my head about like those, those things that, um, yeah, you, you, it's, you know, like it, I hate to say it was, it's only cable and I know there are other like bigger life decision, you know, makers and, 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 and decisions to be made that are out there. So I would sort of keep that in, in check with whatever I was working on. Um, but those failures were someone else's successes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Put it that way. That's good though. I like that. Like, but I had safety in that. I had safety in knowing that if I talk about if, that, if I failed, then then it meant that maybe we were bringing on another. Because I was, we were a department of two when the talent development department created, um, and our next hire um, was a female. And then our next, and then I can see how as we added to our group of of talent executives and development executives and casting directors and, and sort of talent network how how conscious we were for for the conversations of rep, of representation but unfortunately not unfortunately for the purposes of like oh well, I wouldn't say unfortunate I would say because we wanted to understand and that was for the it's a, I'm a who guy and I'm a how guy so I'm always about who can I work with to help me figure this out I, I don't want like you said earlier, I I don't want to be a late night talk show host. Trust me, I know all those people. If I really wanted that, I would. But I love owning my content. I'm terrified about some of the some of the things in television that those people have to go through. And I really I don't want that type of um, schedule or um, give us a taste of that, just so people know or demand. Well, I just I mean I really I my mental health is you know now now it's not so it's not. You know, we talk about mental health a lot now in media, but for years, I mean, the things that you, the things we see, the things I've heard, the things I've been pitched, the things, the things that I know that are out there that are real. Um, <laughs> it's like, here's like a weird thing, for example, like everyone loves extreme makeover home edition, right? It's a beautiful show and the family, a very needing family gets, you know, a whole house renovation. Sure. You also have to know that if you're in casting on that show, you also met probably 15 other families very similar to that one, mm -hmm. all of whom also have devastating stories. Mm -hmm. That's a very tolling process. Yeah, sure. To dive deep into, and, and we, and we, I don't want to speak in general, general, but like, I'll say this most, most reality unscripted casting people do this because we genuinely care. It's not easy getting people cast on, it's easy getting good looking people cast on dating shows. I'll say that, you know what I mean? So like if, 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 if you want to find fun people, to, because dating shows are not relationship shows. Dating shows, it's, it's like you got to go on a date. I'm not asking you to get, you know, married, although there are those shows also, but I'll tell you what, casting those shows are tough. Um, I've cast so many shows where, oh my gosh, I'll tell you one. It's called, um, I don't want to say the name, but the idea was, I think it was called Baby Borrowers. It was a UK format. Baby Borrowers. Yeah. The oh idea God. is that there's a, a couple that doesn't have children. They got married and then something changed. And now one of them thinks that maybe they do want to be parents and they're trying to figure out if being parents are right for them because some, something changed internally or externally. Mm -hmm. And in, in the series, I um, would find those two people and then I would find the parents of a toddler, of an infant of a teenager and then of a senior of a senior. And then over two weeks, we had this couple every three days. The first, it was the infant. Then it was a the toddler. Then it was the mm. teenager. 
so they can experience, you know, sort of being the, but finding couples that were questioning if they should or shouldn't be parents. I'm like now an active participant in their relationship conversations about their life. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, well, so all, you have to be mindful. That, there's, there's, there's also another piece to it. And maybe you can explain this part to me because yeah, me. I don't really get this. I, I kind of get it because <laughs> I understand this is what sells advertising, but there are so many of these creators of so-called reality TV shows, some of which I have trouble calling real, mm. but nevertheless, that's another topic. They're, they're creators of these reality TV shows. And I swear to God, they're trying to create the most dysfunctional setup they can possibly set up. Yeah. Like how, how, how can we create something that no one in their right mind would ever even consider doing? Because we know that's going to get lots of views. Yeah. Am I, am I like missing something here? Is that, <laughs> that what they're doing? <laughs> it depends on the network you're watching for sure. Um, there's, there's, there's heightened escapism for sure. And I think Bravo does a great job at like, they have a, a show where they take some of their, their star housewives and they sent them on a, on a vacation and you sort of seeing them in unique places. Mm. Um, I think whenever you exas- exacerbate a situation, you know, uh, it's drop them in a new place make them eat new food, have new conversations, new language. There, there's all, any type of sort of social barrier. Um, uh, but I would say this, uh, I worked in mostly ensemble series. Like a lot of my mm-hmm. shows that I worked on, like the Osbournes and Newlywed, like there were Laguna Beach and the Hill, like there were the Housewives of New Jersey, even they're about, you know, people, there, there's a format to them and the formats in the story engine, the formats in the story, you know, the story engine for Housewives of, of New Jersey originally, at least is uh caroline manzo the matriarch of her family has a couple of smaller businesses there's some sisters so you have sister rivalry you have sibling rivalry you have family rivalry so you can always sort of pull from you know you know there's going to be some type of story she's got kids there's always going to be some type of parenting you know opportunity so these are story engines it, when you get into the, um, very sort of, cur- like right now on, the, on Netflix, on Hulu, there's a lot of like highly produced, um, reality TV where you're, mm-hmm. you're putting them in extreme situations. Uh, that's similar to like maybe like what people used to do in the early 2000s where they would on, on real world, you know, there was a rumor. I never, I promise you, I never, I never saw this happen, but, um, where they would like, you know, they wouldn't be anything to drink except for alcohol. They would remove like sort of oh, like the soda and all that stuff. And then after a while, and then, and then the food is gone. And then, um, so I know that there, there are those tactics that were, um, were put up and, and there are now network deals and showrunners that, and there are people put in place to make sure that no one is, is jeopardizing the mental health of cast, the physical well being of cast, you know, by doing that. Um, but that, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit and I'm pouty because like, that's, that's low hanging fruit. And mm-hmm. um, if you can orchestrate a train crash and no one gets hurt, then yeah, you know, you're going to make that, you know, you're going to make the news. And, and that's what these sure. producers are willing to do to not just get their show seen and make sure that the show is talked about at the level that shows get talked about now because of how competitive airspace is, you know, and, and like, yet on some level, I mean, you, you mentioned you, you worked on Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Um, to me, Ozzy is actually an example of not that far out. Like where you were just describing the overproduced ones. Yeah. Those are the ones that are really far out. But Ozzy himself is, he, he's actually a, a, a fairly messed up guy. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's 
basically being presented to the world as the messed up guy that he is. And his, his wife, his, I, I don't know how she puts up with him, but I give her a lot of credit. But anyway, she's like the juxtaposition, creating a little world of sanity around Ozzy. And that's yeah. the show every week. It really is. And, and by the way, so one of the surf, the biggest fail, um, when it comes to the Osbournes is I think originally, I think that show was supposed to be a cooking show. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, because Ozzy, he only sat in, he sat in the kitchen. He just watched, at that point, there was a show, um, on BBC called Two, uh, Two Fat Ladies. Is that, that was a cooking show. I'll take your word for it. I, I did. Um, I know it's, I hate the name. I hate bringing this story up in this, like, <laughs> this world of, but I'm sticking to it, by the way. It's the English's fault. The English made, but there was this <laughs> cooking show. And, and by the way, think about it. Like, all, all, all of the action kind of happens in the kitchen anyway. Um, we had this, cool data point from cribs that told us that one of the highlights one of the the format beats to cribs um was what's in the fridge like that was actually something that the audience would wait wait to watch the episode really? until that moment happened they wanted to know what was in the in the fridge um and when that data point came back then you know then then all of a sudden it doesn't happen at the top of act b it happens at the end of act b so you watch you know at least 14 minutes of content before yeah, flipping it, over and then yeah. Yeah, you have to kind of keep them going, keep them going, keep them going. Yeah. Okay, show it on time to show the commercial. Show it. And then we know that that commercial spot right after the yeah. end of B is going to be hot, especially if it's something that could theoretically be in your refrigerator. Mm. And that, so there's a lot of that sort of cooperation that works, but that's what I'm, that's what I mean by pre-purpose, not repurpose. Like there's, you make these opportunities happen for you instead of hoping that, that cosmically, you know, something happens. And this, this is how I've worked the law of attraction to, to not be about the specific episodes or the specific tiny opportunities, but more so about staying connected to me for all the opportunities I can bring in. And in the late nineties, early two thousands, it was reality TV. And, and 10 years ago, it was social media and the digital media age. And like five years ago, I, I doubled down on podcasting. Um, it was 2006 where I turned my first podcast into a TV show. Wow. But, but five years ago, I really, I, I just love, I love that you can own it. And I, I believe that small businesses can make a big change. I know that big so? talk, talk about how oh, that can yeah. actually happen. Sure. So I, I, how we, how we employ each other, how we charge each other, the services that we perform for each other, the, the way that we have an ability to interact with each other as people versus some of the larger companies and the larger brands that have different, they have different jobs and diff, different mm -hmm. goals. You know, like I wouldn't want them to have you know, necessarily the same goals that we can accomplish being one on one and, and, being person on person, um, uh, we're, we're not a voice of representation. We're a person of representation and, and that you have a relationship with me as opposed to you, you don't have a relationship with the voice of, you know, representation. So, mm -hmm. and, 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 and small business owners owning this, uh, who, who own podcasts. I mean, this is a, this is a small, medium sized business game. This big, big media is just now getting into podcasting, but the, Big companies are not getting into podcasting just yet. Not I right. can't even imagine. I'm trying to imagine how that actually plays out. I mean, we, we know Spotify, they bought Joe Rogan. Think about networks. Like the too. McDonald's network, the Pfizer network, the Walgreens network of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Imagine if I can go, if I can shop podcasts aisles the same way I can shop beauty, for example. Um, or, or food at ShopRite, you know, or wherever, wherever your, you know, your grocery store du jour is. 
Um, Actually, that kind of scares me a little bit because I think about the way um, the programming section you know, where, where you have all the different oh, yeah. uh, shows on your cable. Because yeah. to me, that's like the worst menu system in the world. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we're, that's what we're facing for the rest of our lives? Oh, I, wish I, could well, I can that. talk to uh, my And my thought on that is that we're, we're getting away from the need to we want to we want to subscribe to our content we don't want to have to search for our content i think that mm. the, this this are the podcasters look rss has been around for a while rss is kind of a blog thing and i don't want to get too technical but like and just um, so people know what you're talking about rss yeah. is actually that that's the piece of technology that enables a podcast to get out there and be a podcast yeah that's <laughs> like the address that right. your 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 files live at and then apple basically rings your doorbell and says ding dong got anything new and then you say yeah yes. i got a new episode and that's why if you don't post new episodes frequently apple stops hitting your your bell so mm-hmm. it might take a little bit longer because they're they're they spend less money ringing your bell to see what's new but that's a very active technology rss like those podcast directories spend money and energy oh, pinging your, yeah. your so in this future world of content where and it's already happening on apple tv and and some of the the ott de- ways that we're consuming content now where where we're subscribing to series that we don't even know if if it aired on cable or if it's a Netflix show or we don't even know where it came from. We just know, or, or when it even airs, we just know where to get it. I think that that's the future of, I, I remember the days when I would watch the TV guy. Remember watching the TV guy channel? Yes, I remember. It's like you would watch it. Wait, 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 here comes, here comes the tease, the tease. Oh, I missed it. I got to wait seven more minutes. (laughs) And you you think, you think they would be like, you think they would be like, speed that up a little bit. Uh uh-uh. uh, they slowed it down and then they put a TV show on the top. Right. Uh, here's five dinner. Here's five tips about this movie and your seven thirty. You know, like mashed the potatoes. The scariest and- part to me is that there were people <laughs> like you who were watching it. That that oh, yeah. terrified oh, I love, me. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I would watch that. Dave Holmes. Dave. He was one of the DJs on MTV. Uh, uh, I, I, Chris, uh, Chris O'Connell was on the. Yeah, I, I thought that was cool talking about like media and like these. These were like. These were the type of conversations that I would want to have at a dinner party, and that's basically what the TV Guide channel is. Um, <laughs> I love it. And that people just are, show I, everybody has different yeah, right? ways to look. But at that's why they're afraid to. Things. They're afraid to. You know, a lot of cord cutters are afraid to cut cable because they're like, "Well, how am I going to know what's on TV?" They'll they'll say that that's the number one thing is how am I going to know what's on TV? Not like how am I going to get it, but like how am I going to know what's on TV? I don't well, want to in, in my wife's case, it wouldn't be so much how am I going to know what's on TV. It's going to be how am I, how am I going to find what I want to watch? Yeah. 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 How do you know? Yeah. How are you going to find it? How do you, how are you going to know what's even out there and how are you going to, or how, more importantly, how is it going to find you? So like, for example, well, that, yeah, that's lazy man's approach. To well, I'll, I'll say it this way. E has a show called, um, E presents the red carpet. And mm-hmm. if you subscribe to this, if you, you know, DVR on your thing, you will get the red carpet to almost every single premierable event that happens on television all the award shows all the big sports shows a a couple of big movie premieres but this is just an an example of if i want to see red carpet footage i don't i no longer need to wait for the the tonys to click the button to try to get the tony red carpet show e now has a guaranteed proof proven way for me to get red carpet footage without me needing to go find it so Mm. i might miss a show and I, i don't even know the golden globes was on blah 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 but mm-hmm. but I got the red carpet show because and, and I yeah. think that the subscription model of of television is is a big future of where we're going. 
There, there's a, another piece of that too, which I actually find a little bit confusing. I, I get it, but I also don't get it because I think Apple was the one who kind of changed the way we talk about it. They don't call it subscribing anymore. They call it following. Yeah. And okay. So yeah, I get it. We're following, but now what we're looking for is people who are what regular followers. Is that what we're talking about? Nah. What, what we used to call a subscriber, right? Right. Well, I think, right. Cause I think a subscription to me sort of infers that um, I'm going to get a ping when, when it's available, like I'm going to get notified hmm. when it's available. And that's not how, and in my understanding of subscription versus follower is that I'm not getting pinged. So I'm not subscribing. I'm just following. I have the ability mm -hmm. to know when information is updated because I'm following you, but I'm not, I'm not subscribed. I'm not getting something back from you um, that I, I haven't asked for. And I think that that's a and big I get that's that. a difference. Yeah. I, I think what confuses me, and this is actually kind of something that the broadcast TV would certainly identify with before uh, Nielsen came along, which is yeah. how do I know what my audience is responding to here? Uh, because, I mean, I know early on, like I started my podcast 10 years ago. When I first started, first of all, I had no followers. And after a while, I had like two and three. You know, it was that kind of a thing. And I would hear from the ones who were following me. And we'd have email exchanges and, you know, sometimes they'd send something in to talk about on the show, that, that kind of thing. So I got, I, and, and I still get that, but now it's gotten to the point where a lot of the people, I mean, I see the numbers of, of people who are actually tuning in, but I don't know what a lot of them are, are interested in. I don't know what they're responding to. I mean, I, yeah, I can see this show produced that number, this show produced that number. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of measure it that way, but that's about the limit to it. And it's almost like we're getting to the point now where, we're, we're, we're losing one of the big benefits that I thought existed with podcasts, which is connection between the podcaster and the audience. It's like, it's like it's, it's being pushed away from a place that it was at before. And maybe that's just my perception, but I'm curious to know what your take is on that. Um, I think that we ask a lot of our audience as oh, podcasters. Okay. I think, I think that. I have a hard time dedicating an hour to listening to something weekly in, in a solid sit down. So for me, listening to a podcast that's an hour long would take probably about a week because I'd, I'd probably listen to 20, <laughs> 45 minutes here and there, have to re-listen to the last five minutes, you know. So this like, this like linear experience piece, I think that, I think we, and we also, um, we, a lot of people use podcasting for connection. Some of that connection happens here, like you and I, and, sure. and, and some of it happens when we're like, as we're live streaming with the ability to, you know, to, to handle comments and, and, and talk. But I think that part of the obstacle is that an hour of content, regardless of if it's a podcast or not, is still an hour of content. Like well, there's a lot of TV shows we won't watch. Because it's just like not good or I don't, you know, like we're just, we don't like the writing or it's not entertaining enough or I'm not going to get it. I don't know what I'm going to get out of it. You know, uh, so many cable networks exist because, and I remember being at MTV when MTV was like, we're just losing male audience. They're just all going to ESPN. We're not even, we're not even going to do sports. I, I used to work on like sports and music festival on MTV mm -hmm. and like, we weren't even not, no no athlete, no sports at all. Nothing was working, so we watched the guys go to ESPN, then ESPN two, and and I watched I watched how 
sports could work on, you know, a game of softball could work on ESPN and it wasn't going to work on, you know, on MTV anymore. Even if I had like, you know, Tony Saragusa and like some cool, like, you know, athletes that like were intergenerational and, and, and well-known. Um, and I think there's a, and, and, and I look at even all the versions of like the DIY chat, you know, DIY and HGTV and TLC and Bravo, they all touch, you know, home decor in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. But when you sit down for 30 minutes or 60 minutes, you kind of, you want to, you want to expect to know what you're going to walk away with. Um, and, and yet many of the, the biggest podcasts do exactly that. They do long podcasts. Joe Rogan, yeah. he's known for doing like hours long episodes. Yeah. And he's not the only one. A lot of the big ones, they just, they just go on and on. So you know, where's the line? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's an, it's an individual line. You know, his, his product is, um, so, so much based on his talent, his innate talent of being a comedian and being a conversationalist. And, mm. and I think what's really cool about what he did is the long format to prove that it was a sustainable conversation because up until then we saw him doing comedian spots or hosting, right. you know, 30, 30 minute shows or 60 minute shows on TV. So, um, you know, to, to, to know that someone like him, who can, you know, apparently talk to anybody, can literally talk to anybody for two hours, that becomes something like, oh, I got to see this. I got to see it to believe it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I watched the Leah Remini episode. I'll never forget. And, 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 and where he goes is unique and different. You know, it's not, he's not asking the same questions that Oprah was asking because he doesn't have right. network standards breathing down right. his neck yes. the way that, so he can ask, he's he can do things back. with his guests, right? That, yeah. that, and, and they're not gimmicky. Like, no. like when he's like smoked weed with, um, with Elon, like if that was an MTV TRL thing, it would be gimmicky. You know what I mean? It would just be like a hokey kind of like painful creative segment, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has the ability, you know, and, and I think also with him specifically in the wild, wild west, we're seeing what we can get away with in podcasts on a big level. And I think that was kind of exciting to us as podcasters and then also to people who support the podcast community, like the people who have a podcast that's not their own, but it is, is created by somebody else, but they have that ownership over, you know, the story and the sentiment behind that podcast. But it's, uh, it, it there's, that's what, there's it, no shortage of, no shortage of spaces, no shortage of platforms no or surfaces. And, and there's only going to be more and more. Oh be... yeah, we're only scratching the surface. There, there, it's just going to, it, as much as it has mushroomed, it's going to mushroom ten times over, a hundred times over, a thousand times over. It's, it's just it's, it'll be fractured. Endless. It'll be fractured in in the context that it's being delivered to us. It'll be fractured in the audiences that are watching yeah. it and consuming it. It'll be fractured in the technology that is delivering it. So there are just so many ways and, and, and you own it. I, can't, can't <laughs> I know you keep going back to that. I know <laughs> you own it. You don't like, I sold so many TV shows that I don't own anymore. And like mm. I, I created, I have a podcast. I got a trademarked. So I, I got, I got, a, I got my little like uh copyright on it so that I can, my registered my R with a little circle on it so I can globally protect this brand. And, and then I turned that into a platform to discover podcasters Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, if you are out there and you have a podcast and you're looking for a little press friendly um, nod, um, come to, I have a podcast.com slash interview. And I'm happy to offer free, um, uh, 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 featured articles for podcasters, independent podcasters. 
And, um, and I also turned it into a, t- a TV show. So I took, you know, the, the last five minutes of some of the celebrity interviews that I've done on my podcast with, with Mandy Moore and Jamie Lynn Sigler and Danielle Fischel. And, uh, I'm able to use that at the end of a 30 minute show, the same way that like late night talk shows have, you know, a performance at the end of their, their mm. show or they save the sort of the best for last. So I'm, I was able to, to repurpose that into a TV show, create five episodes. And now moving forward, I, I keep, I know that I have a five minute need in the TV show version that I want to pull from the podcast. So I'm creating segments specifically so I can pull them into my TV show so that, so that I'm not repurposing content anymore. Um, that's fabulous. By the way, you just, it's, you, you saved me something. Normally I have to say toward the end of the show, by the way, before we, uh, park company, you got to give us information about how to reach out. You just told oh, yeah. us how to oh, reach thank out. You. I, yeah, right. I have a podcast. I, for, I, first of all, I love the title. I have a thank podcast. Thank you. I, mean, I think I appreciate great. that. That's right. I love podcasters. We like, we, we, we research and we create and we produce and we publish and we follow up and we promote and we, we hopefully give credit and we hopefully ask for awards and we, and we share in all that energy. That's like, I don't know. It, it, and also we all come from some, regardless of how long you've been podcasting, you did something before. <laughs> yeah. Regardless. Regardless, mm-hmm. even, even if it's 10, 20, 12, 15, maybe some people, you know, started podcasting apparently in 05, 04s, 03s. I'll give it to them, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, you did something before. You did something before or after or during, especially in the early 2000s. There's no way they were like making that, you know, they weren't just living out of, out of the gate. You know, Lewis and some of these awesome podcasters that are just like synonymous with the game. Right. Um, they struggled, to be honest. They struggled in podcasts. At least, you know, a lot of modern creators now who are just podcasting, we're like, we got to have our careers and be podcasters too. And and I hope we bring all of our unique experiences to it because that's that's what podcasting needs. It doesn't need more of the same conversation that's out there, but just more unique conversations. Uh, m- my facts to my stories and my characters to my stories don't change, but the story changes depending on who I'm speaking with. And, and that's important. That's, that's how the story lives on For me, that's how my story lives on. Not, not that, um, yeah. And the multiple versions of it, cause they're all true. <laughs> I love this. This is a great way to, to wind up the show. And I, I gotta tell you, Vinny Potasivo, this has been a fabulous, fabulous conversation. I really, yes. really enjoyed this. First of all, because I got the chance to kind of look inside the mind of a man who was actually at you know the forefront of a lot of this stuff. I mean, he was doing it. You, know, you were doing this in broadcast media, so you had a lot of tools at your disposal, but you were also kind of breaking a lot of the, the roads that are now open to all of us. So you you were there kind of at the beginning of it. So oh, thank yeah. you for for like opening your, your your brain and showing us what was going on behind the scene there in, in your own mind as, as you're creating this stuff. That was great. And Thank that's you. how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my story. I'm sticking yeah, to it. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> tell me, what did you see again? What did you yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. And I love that I got to create pop culture when it was consumed by millions and millions of people mm. that I should be so lucky to have been there to see so many things happen that were televised that so many of us watched on TV also. Yeah. That, that I get to call back on as a shared experience and say, like, I, I was there and, and so were you. And we, we saw the same thing from two different vantage points and, and it doesn't matter who we are, but let's, we can pick up where, where we left off. I love that ability yeah. 
to draw on, on what I got to create on MTV and, and, and all the places that that brought me to. It's, I feel very, very lucky to have, uh, to have, and I, and I just watched it. I just watched it and just literally watched media change. I'm watching it change now, I'm watching it again, which is why I'm investing in podcasting and why I'm going this route. And I'm, and, and I'm trying to meet as many podcasters as possible, not necessarily the top 20, the top 10 in every podcast. I don't, I, I, no offense, but like, I already know them. I don't want to <laughs> podcast. It's a weird thing to say, but like my goal, my goal isn't to get to know them. My goal is to be part of the next wave of stars of podcasters. And I know that what we're doing now is, is leading to that next wave of podcasters. And with all due respect to the, the huge people in podcasting that have, you know, defined our industry. I just want to remind you what happened from, from Facebook's perspective. I want to remind you what happened to MySpace. Mm, <laughs> yeah. And, and mm -hmm. being first, being first, you know, and is not necessarily in, you know, uh, you know, all, all that it's meant to be, but I'm, but, but these podcasters are, are moving and thriving and, and shape shifting with the industry too. So, so I think there's a couple of them, you know, Joe, Gary, uh, Lewis, like uh, uh, Brene, like there's a couple of, of people that I can just like first name people that I can <laughs> say that are, 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 are ahead of the curve when it comes to what's happening in a podcast. And then there will be a group of them that are not. And mm -hmm. that's that will, the way it usually give room for us. There's yeah, always exactly some, there's, there's the others. It's always the yeah. case. Well, thank you once again. This has been thank wonderful. You. Thank you for being on the program. Thank you for sharing this time with us. And thank you to my podcast audience. We love you everywhere that you are. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.